0: Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have our 100th inappropriate conversation and take a look back at the evolution of this show. now I am looking at a map that shows visitors to the Inappropriate Conversations website at www.inappropriateconversations.org from every continent on the planet except Antarctica. And I can't be more astounded at that fact. Most of the concentration, of course, is in Europe and mostly the United States. But even in North America, it extends across the border to Canada, all the way up to the northern edge of Manitoba on the Hudson Bay, And then into Central America, recently, in fact, I think for the first time, a listener in Cancun popped up, and South America. There isn't a lot of activity in Australia, New Zealand, and Africa, but the people that I do know, especially from Australia, I value their listenership greatly, and they're people that I interact with on Twitter, where you can find me at IC underscore Greg. Perhaps, aside from the intense concentration in the United States and in England, one of the things that really jumps out at me looking at this map, despite my surprise, actually, at having a handful or so of listeners, or at least website visitors from Africa, is one that pops up from time to time. This is not new, but uh, every now and then it'll disappear and then come back again as if the visitation is infrequent. But in the Indian Ocean, off the coast of Africa, not too far, I suppose, from, the, uh, from Kenya, that side of Africa, are the Seychelles Islands. And I was, probably couldn't have found them on a map before I started doing this show. But now there's a little bubble on the map for them. If you look at inappropriate conversations from a different perspective, though, and just break the analytics down by country, it's thousands of listeners, thousands of site visitors, with a pretty even split of returning and new. But the overwhelming concentration by something like 70, 75% is the United States. Once you get past the english speaking countries United States, United Kingdom, Canada, and Australia, where you'd expect that there would be a high concentration from an English spoken podcast, you get to Brazil, Bulgaria, Philippines, and then Ireland and New Zealand there kind of rounding out the you know the more regular and you know regular visitors to the website. So I feel like I can say that inappropriate conversations has been more successful than I might have anticipated the website on Podbean has a channel visitor count that right now is getting awfully close to 23,000. Now, when you divide that number, by 99 shows released so far and a handful of blog posts, maybe a dozen or so along the way, you know, the math isn't all that large. But then again, I never really expected the, the audience to be that large. So I'm very, very pleased. If I look back, in fact, to where this thing started, you really have to go back to the beginning of 2010 And the first shows released shortly thereafter, but I want to paint the picture in a slightly different way and let this inappropriate conversation unfold from the perspective of even before that. But in order to do this justice, I think I need to talk a little bit about the origin story just briefly. And then I want to go back in time and then let what I would call podcast experiences do much of the storytelling with something like 16 clips planned. We'll see how it goes. But first... It would be safe to say that in the year 2006, maybe even early 2007, I had no idea what a podcast was. I have a room in my basement that is filled with albums, cassette tapes, compact discs, videotapes, laser discs, DVDs. And this was the method that I would use to take in media. I didn't have an iPod. I didn't have what would later become a Zune or even a SanDisk at the time. My first MP3 player was a small SanDisk. And it was only through that that I first encountered a podcast, and it was a podcast for a soccer team that I followed. It was like an official team podcast. It wasn't until later that year, that Christmas, that somebody actually gave me a, you know, as a Christmas present, an MP3 player that was connected to some sort of network. Now, it's pretty much the same experience, I imagine, for lots of us, whether it would be that you got a Zune and you tapped into the Zune marketplace or whether you got an iPod and you tapped into iTunes – it wasn't until then that this entire world of podcasting even opened up. If you go as late as the beginning of 2010, I never had a microphone. All that time, listening to podcasts, taking them in, and as you'll see, contacting podcasts where there was a call-in element or uh, a, a way to leave a message uh, via cell phone or telephone, I didn't have a microphone. It was, wasn't until this show started that I actually sat down to record an MP3, and I will play the first one of those here in a little bit. As I play these clips and try to tell this story, getting all the way from that first time of actually being on a podcast as a caller to now being on Stitcher Radio from Stitcher.com, another way of interacting where if you were like me now and you had a smartphone instead of an MP3 player, if you were not somebody who was using any sort of iPod, Stitcher provides another way that people can interact with this show, besides using a laptop or a desktop and going straight to the website. So there's quite a journey along the way. Hi, I'm Tony Pucci, and I lost my sister Jenny to ALS. Songs for Jenny is a charity CD for ALS patient care and research. Otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS is a disease without a cure. The Songs for Jenny CD features my music along with guest vocalists from around the world. All proceeds from the sale of the Songs for Jenny CD will be donated to the ALS Association of America, Minnesota Chapter. To find out more and to purchase the CD, please visit www.songsforjenny.com. I would say the key milestones would be October of 2009, sort of deciding to put together a draft, kind of an outline of what maybe the show would be like and what maybe the first 9 or 10 or 11 episodes would be, to November, getting some very solid advice from hosts on Starbase 66. Uh, questions like, what kind of microphone, for example? Or, how do I get music? Because I wanted to have a lot of different music, a lot of different music with a drum you know, element to it, to introduce and sort of segregate the different drummer segment. And it was from those early emails that Kevin McLeod's name came up, the uh, fantastic composer behind Incompetech.com and him providing you know, again most of the music, including the theme for the show. And then uh, another contact that I made to simply syndicated, and I'll get you know straight to that in just a minute, to get advice from people who are much more experienced than I am in podcasting, to say, hey, I've I've drawn up 113 ideas now. So going from a fairly detailed Example of ten of them, to. I didn't want to go through the effort of starting up a podcast if I only had ten or fifteen things to say, so I thought I'd better map this out a little bit more carefully and you know prove that there's enough enough you know there to keep going, and I landed on 113. And around New Year's Eve weekend, I contacted the hosts of Simply Syndicated dot com and said, "Here, here's the first ten, and I definitely have." legs here. I think I've got 113 that are potentially mapped out as future shows and got some great feedback and advice there. Uh, all the encouragement I could handle, including other things uh, online, particularly in my case, online at www.simplysyndicated.com where hosts of other shows, Rick from Starbase 66, Jay from Masters of None, had actually put blog posts up and forum posts up kind of talking about some some do's and don'ts, some lessons learned. And even when it got down to February and March and beginning that process of stitching those first shows together, it was a Skype call with Rick that was essential in getting me to the point where I understood even how to do the editing in Audacity. I've described myself as a Luddite. Rick, in fact, has described himself many times as a Luddite, and I literally did go from zero to however many miles an hour I'm traveling at just that quickly. So how did all of this begin? Well, for me, it began when I hooked up up to the Zune marketplace and began looking around for more things besides sports. The only podcast I'd listened to was a podcast for a sports team, but I wanted to tap into more of my interests. Now, it was easy to try to find things that I already knew because they were playing on radio, things like national public radio shows, Fresh Air, for example. But you you could do better than that. I mean, NPR would provide a music show, and NPR might provide a religion show, but I wanted to find something that was truly unique to podcasting, genuinely a podcast, rather than a radio show that was broadcast in this other way. And what I found for movies was a show called Movies You Should See. And I remember being just kind of amazed at first that Movies You Should See could have an episode about A Fish Called Wanda that was a little bit more than an hour long, because to my way of thinking well, I wondered, is it sort of an abridged audio commentary? Or is it literally people talking about the movie at that kind of length? And that's exactly what it was. The fact that they were British made the show even more interesting and provided a different cultural perspective. And I started from there with the movies you should see episode number 100, which from the blurb I could tell was going to cover a larger variety of shows. Rather than one movie in depth for an hour, it was going to be closer to an hour and a half or so long, but they were going to try to cover 50 movies in kind of a minute or two minutes apiece in terms of their timing. And that was a great introduction to the cast of characters. That led me to other podcasts on the network. At the time, Make It So, Star Trek podcast, was the first Star Trek podcast I ever listened to, and then later on, another show where two of the hosts of the show had figured out I make it sound like this was tough. It may have been easy for them, but for me, it would have been tough. Figured out how to broadcast live on a Friday night and take colors and record and broadcast simultaneously the interchange. And so at first, you'd have, you know, maybe one color in a show, two at the most. But eventually, it got to where there was a groove. And at one point, uh, almost, well, it was exactly 27th show. So 27 shows in to this program called Richard and Allison's Super Happy Fun Time. I realized I had to make the call. Hello, who's this?
1: <laughs> this is Greg. Hello, Greg. On the forum.
2: Who on the forum, sorry? Gab, G A B. Hey! <laughs> Hiya, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. That makes two Gregs in a row for you guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was confusing. I thought, hang on a minute, you just called us and you were British. We're having what a, happened there?
3: We're having a Gregathon.
1: <laughs> I've always wanted to say this, so I'll do it now. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, yes.
2: <laughs> and long time <laughs> uh, poster.
1: Yes, yes, I'd never posted on a forum before, simply syndicated.
2: Well,. I, I I can't quite believe that because you certainly made
0: your impression here, sir. The actual impetus for that phone call was that another first had happened for me in that intervening year, somewhere around the middle of two thousand eight, all the way here to the you know very end of two thousand eight, early January in two thousand nine. I imagine the forum on Simply Syndicated had decided that there was going to be a show that they were going to recognize people who had been significant contributors so things like the funniest post or the best avatar those sort of things and one of the awards that they had that they were kind of covering in this 27th episode of super happy fun time or shaft was the forum and uh, call-in show participation awards well i had never called before but i turns out that i was really spurred on to call by winning the best debate award on the other hand and um so that spurred me to call, and it was my first ever. I would later become, you know, a sporadic caller, enough so that whenever I would call it would be something of a surprise. It wasn't expected. It wasn't an every weekend thing or even a monthly sort of thing. And one of those calls, you can tell by the surprise in the response, was the Christmas show later that year, the second Shaft Christmas.
2: Hello. Who be that? Hey,
1: this is, this is Gab.
2: Hey, Gab! Gab. Gab. Amazing! How are you
1: doing? I'm doing great, although I feel like the buzz Judas right now.
2: Oh, don't be! Uh, no, Buzz massive failure you seal.
3: He'll be back.
2: He'll be back.
3: Look, even Krish has come back into the chat room now.
1: Crucius
2: <laughs> said he was
3: back. going was to.
1: quick, Santa quick ju- duty.
2: Yeah, exactly. What did you buy your kids? Fresh air. Clearly
3: nothing. <laughs> Clearly nothing.
1: I'm shocked.
3: Gab, I have to just jump in first of all and say thank you for the duds, man.
1: Oh, yes. So the duds made it.
3: Oh, yes. Oh, the duds made it. (laughs) They might not make it to 2010, (laughs) but they definitely made it here.
2: What box are we on now, Rich?
3: I think we're on the third or the fourth box. No. It's an alarming amount of caramel in in chocolate that I've been consuming.
1: It,
2: It was an alarming amount that you sent, and it was really, really lovely. Thank you so much.
1: I ended up with a box for me out of that gig, too, so it was all good. Hey, that's all right,
2: isn't it? Everyone's a winner.
1: That's right. That's that's good news. We're still waiting on one thing. What's that? We bought a gift for the cat, and it hasn't come yet. Oh, no. Is the cat out out of the room?
2: Can we discuss it? What what had you ordered?
1: Yeah, he's indifferent. He's asleep. From Think Geek, they've got boxes. You know, kind of cats, you open up a box, they get inside. They've got boxes of like fighter jets and fire engines and flying saucers, and (laughs) we got them a fighter jet.
4: (laughs) Oh, that's
3: amazing! That's actually really good.
1: (laughs) If it comes, I'll have to post a picture.
2: Definitely.
1: The embarrassing part is that we paid 20 bucks for an empty box. (laughs)
2: There's there's one barn every minute, isn't there, Greg? No, I think that is
3: worth it. That is brilliant. I love that idea.
2: Did you ever see the picture of the, uh, the kennel that Richard made Barkley when he was four weeks old? No. It was literally a box with a hole cut in for a doorway. And he ate it. He did ate it, but th- it was it was your sign that you'd put on the outside of the box. That I loved so, so much. This dog would fit in the palm of your hand. And Richard wrote a very, very stern warning on the outside of the box. Beware of the dog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his dog was no bigger than a hamster. It was so cute. I have to post p- that picture up on the forums. It's still one of my favorites. You can just see this shadow of a tiny black thing inside there.
0: I'm hopeful that this gives you a sense of how the impromptu conversations worked. They really did flow, I think, partly because of the strength of the two hosts, Richard Smith and Alison Downing, and their experience having been on movies you should see for quite some time. I mean, a certain amount of skill at conversing in this podcast format and really being very laid back and casual about it. And to me, the best of the super happy fun time shows were the Christmas episodes. The Christmas episode 2008 was about two or three weeks before I made my first ever call. And in some ways, the, this, the power of that show, both the joy and the sorrow in it, encouraged me to say, yeah, the, these, these are good people. This is your people. And I wasn't alone. The interesting thing about those forums on Simply Syndicated, first forums I'd ever signed up to, and I've since done a pretty good job of of avoiding overextending myself. I, I don't really understand how people can manage to be actively participating in multiple forums at once. It seems too much to me. But the relationships formed just by sharing ideas in that way, especially at that point in time on Simply Syndicated. Well, I'm going to let others speak for me. Here are the three members of starbase 66 talking kind of behind my back but knowing that I would hear on a program that one of the hosts did on the side called weather station this is weather station 23
4: oh well but see that's another great thing about simply syndicated is there's there is none of that and it's it's a group of individuals yes we are an incredibly diverse population. I mean, we are diverse in our ages, we're diverse in our ethnicities, in our backgrounds, in everything. And yet, we are able to come together under the umbrella of these shows, and have some amazing conversations and some amazing debates. And they are done in such a respectful way, that it doesn't matter that we don't know what the other person's last name is, or how they may look, or what Style that they may put their hair in or what fashion they may tend to enjoy most. It's that kernel of truth that they're putting out there and that we're putting out there. And that's our opinions. That's how we think, how we view the world. Um, I think uh, Gab on the uh, forum, Greg, put it best when he said, you know, we've been able to form friendships and, and bonds with people on this forum with people that we would never Encounter in our real lives because we all run in very distinct and different uh, friend cliques in the outside world, now, in the real world. That
1: Gab guy you mentioned—I <laughs> think a barrier might have been crossed there today.
4: That Didn't barrier you was crossed. have lunch
0: with Gab today.
4: I did. I actually <laughs> encountered Gab and his. As I said, his name is Greg. And he was in town. He's he's attending a conference here in the, the DC area and he PM'd me on the Simply Syndicated form and said, Hey, I'm gonna be in town. If you don't think it's too creepy, would you like to meet up and, and have drinks? And I was like, Hey, yeah, sure. I'm I'm up for that. And so we met, we had lunch, he, he came with a coworker and so I got to meet his lovely coworker whose name I, I will, will withhold because I don't know how involved in the imaginary world she wants to be. <laughs> But it was it was a delightful encounter. I've I've met people that I've I've been friends with online before, and sometimes it's gone very very scarily, and sometimes it's gone really well. And this I think has been my favorite real world encounter. Um, he is just he is a, an amazingly pleasant guy, and he was it was so easy to talk with him. It was I'm an an incredible introvert. I know that that might be hard to believe. But I, I don't interact. I've, I've been described as socially awkward <laughs> by people very close to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Join, <laughs> so. jo- join the club, Karen. Um, I, 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 I totally understand.
4: <laughs> yeah, and so I was I was very nervous at first. But it felt like just getting together with an old friend. Because we've been on the forum for about a year. I think we, we all pretty much have joined at, the, at about the same at time. The start, yeah. And, yeah, it just it clicked. It worked right from the second we met. I mean, you know, he stuck his hand out, and I, I shook it, and then I was like, you know what? I want to hug this guy because I feel like I know him. And so we just we went in for a hug, and, and I hugged him when we, when we parted, and it was, it
0: was an excellent experience. Everything Karen described in that episode of Weather Station 3 is absolutely right on target. That's how it played out, and I would share her sentiment that that was a fantastic, just a fantastic occasion. It was everything you'd expect from it, And it encouraged me later on that summer to take advantage of the opportunity on a trip to Disney World to make a swing to the Gulf Coast and meet Rick. That meeting with Rick turned into, sort of by design, it was in the plan, once we knew we were going to get together, a recording of the Admiral's table for Starbase 66. I had some time to think through what I might say, but at the same time, it was you know very much an impromptu conversation, sitting on a table with a small recording device in front of us. It was the results of this particular conversation that led me to think, wow, maybe I have something that I can say. And the real thing was, it wasn't that any part of this process of being on a podcast live in person in an interview format felt normal. It was actually the fact that I left that moment in time feeling very different at one point in this conversation, which i'll give you a, a clip of here in just a moment, I made the point that I've always believed as a Christian that people who want answers ask questions, and perhaps as a result of the release of that podcast, I began getting questions on the forum. It first kind of open-ended you know somebody opened up a thread, religion was the topic, specific questions were asked, but it was clear to me that it was an encouragement that I offered coming right back to me in a very encouraging way to to share more dialogue that maybe this one episode of The Admirals Table simply wasn't enough. One of the gateways to me in the whole conversation about science versus religion is I've always maintained that it's a false dichotomy. Yeah. And uh, the very first post or one of the very, the first serious post I did on the uh, previous forum was right into that topic. I just thought, I said, you know, we were hearing lots of arguments about whether which one's more real or more important or which one's right. It's like, yeah, that's a joke. They're both... They're both valid, but it's tough because they both seem to be sitting at the same table. That both arguments come to the exact same spot. And I've been thinking a lot about it lately because of how much esteem and respect I've got for the people that have shared their opinion. And I feel a little bit like I'm copping out by saying, well, the answer's neither. But you know, to me, the, the question is almost the same thing as saying, if we just had an incredible meal, and it was a good one, but if we just had an incredible meal and one of us looked to the other and say, how do we account for this brilliant meal that we've just been served? Science will say, well, ingredients, pots and pans, ovens tuned to correct temperature and pitch, um, precise recipes that can be repeated and duplicated and therefore proven over time. And um, that's the right answer. And religion would say, the chef. Yeah. And that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. And both of them are right. One speaking in terms of the relationship... You know, who do I credit with this recipe? Not a fast food joint, it's probably not a chef. (laughs) But who do we credit with this recipe is not a wrong answer, even if we don't know the man's name, or don't even know whether it was one person or a team of people or a group of people from a far off land, it's still a good answer. Um, But it does lack the precision of saying, well, it's three quarters of this and a half a cup of that and stir those together. And that's the reason I've always been kind of comfortable, because, again, I felt all along that somebody like Spock was going to be totally capable with, on the one hand, looking at the data in front of him, and on the other hand, tapping into all of his experience in both his human background and his Vulcan background, of what answers answers did the ancestors provide? Because they're more likely to tell you who they think is cooking, and the instruments in front of you are going to be able to tell you whether there's nutmeg in there or not. Starbase 66
4: The International Star Trek and Science Fiction Podcast. Join our collective at www.simplysyndicated.com or via iTunes,
0: keyword Starbase66. From this time forward, you will listen to us. The funny thing about the Internet, and it really is kind of an amazing set of paradoxes in my mind, because in some ways... We have this this idea that everything you put on the internet is permanent, that it could be dredged up at any time that even if a website goes down, there are ways there are you know time machine sort of programs where you can you can recall the parts of the world wide web that are closed for business, and you can still get to those things so I think every time you put something out online you've got to assume that it's forever. I think you also have to assume that it's public, which is interesting because I started off with the sort of the combination of ideas that my audience is bigger than I probably expected it to be. And at the same time, it's a select group. Uh, At any point in time, I've got a pretty good idea of who, you know, maybe, you know, two or three dozen of these people are. Some I've met in person, many I haven't, but I can still look at that point on the map. Well, even the Seychelles Islands, I don't know who this individual is. There's never been any direct point of contact. There's never been an email sent my way to ic underscore greg at hotmail.com saying, hey, I'm the person, but I still feel like that's got to be the same person, even if the the bubble deflates for a few months and then it pops back up as a visit again. I feel like I know who these folks are. Sometimes it's so extreme that in a city as large as Sydney, Australia, or even you know a city as large as Washington, DC, I see the bubble and I think I know who that is. And so in some ways, you're putting things out online that are private, that are personal. I call this show Conversations for a reason, and that's kind of the reason. And yet at the same time, it's almost public and permanent. But it was that permanence that occurred to me. Theoretically, you could go online and try to find the uh, Starbase 66 Admirals Table episode, I think titled A Gift of Gab, and it still should be there, as are all these others, although some of them may be quite hard to find because they're earlier generations, earlier iterations of shows or shows that are no longer being actively broadcast. But to my way of thinking, it was that moment on that show in the middle of the summer of that year, where the positive feedback I got, the questions and the interactions made me feel like I probably could just speak, which is pretty much been the format of this show from the start. And in addition to just speaking, I probably am more unique than I realize that I I'm different enough that if I have something to say, it's not just one more voice parroting the same tune. And that's true enough in the sense of being neither liberal nor conservative and being the type of Christian that I am. I'm not the same old, same old, in other words. So what happened from there? Well, I did pick up a microphone with some post-Christmas money showing up somewhere in January, uh, late January probably, And the first thing I tried to do was record an episode of Books You Should Read. If you're not familiar with Books You Should Read, I've been on Books You Should Read a couple of times. In fact, probably at least three that I can think of right off the top of my head. The original one was Books You Should Read 30, The Dame in the Kimono, my review of a book by a couple of university professors uh, on film and the history of film censorship. That was before I had a microphone. And at that point in time, I sent the review in and Many weeks went by, and I think that the uh, host of the show liked it enough that Allison recorded it and put it out with her speaking my words. It came out, ironically, only three episodes before the first time I actually recorded a show with the microphone that I'm holding in my hand right now. It was a Books You Should Read episode of a Larry Wingett book called, It's Called Work for a Reason. I'm not going to play any parts of the Books You Should Read episode. Instead, what I want to do is play the outro. Because the outro, where I'm speaking of Simply Syndicated and other shows on the network and how you can support the network, I also it pretty much told the world in an almost jokingly threatening tone of voice that this wouldn't, wouldn't be the last recording that people heard from me. Well, shows like Books You Should Read are free. If you love the programs, though, there are many ways that you can play a part. Here's what Winget says. If you aren't willing to put your money where your mouth is then you don't really believe in what you are doing. As always, he is brash and bold and in your face. It may be enough to remind you to always invest in what you love. That's one of the ways that we grow and develop as individuals. Thanks again for listening. And for those of you who know me on the wonderful Simply Syndicated forums, look out world, Greg's got a microphone now. In the Christmas 2009 episode of Super Happy Fun Time, I refer to Boz, uh, meaning Boz and Casey, from the Here Goes Nothing podcast. And the very next thing that I recorded was a clip to be given to those guys. It was actually a beer review, which is part of their program. But later on in the year, around Thanksgiving, after Inappropriate Conversations was up and running, I also sent a movie review in. Here's a little bit of a clip from that. An example of me being able to sort of call in now, instead of using a cell phone, by recording an mp3 file. Here's Here goes nothing. The last 20 minutes where Trog goes on a rampage, absolutely hilarious. And again, if only for the comic value, I can't recommend highly enough my bad movie of the year. And one of the great bad movies of my lifetime, Trog. And to be honest with you guys, a commentary soundtrack definitely something i would buy at musicalmousepad.com and listen to over and over again because the one thing my dvd copy doesn't really have my dvd copy doesn't have anything in terms of bonus features i don't get any deleted scenes i certainly don't get the director's commentary and poor joan crawford didn't live much long after this abomination and frankly i'm not sure which movie um, is more horrifying trog or mommy dearest well That's all I've got for now. Next time, I'm pretty sure it'll be one of these new beers that I picked up for Christmas. But this time, I wanted to cover a Thanksgiving holiday present. Wolf Clan, guys. Keep up the good work. I will not have a clip to play today from the Do Ask, Do Tell episode, Religion. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, I don't feel like there's as comfortable a place for me to just take an excerpt. That's more than an hour long, but I think it's a show that if you haven't heard the Do Ask, Do Tell podcast and you wanted to start in a place where there was a familiar voice, the guests on the show that day were me and Boz. And we were joined by one of the hosts, Ian, to talk about religion and religion related to issues of uh, gay and lesbian rights and culture and history. The LGBT focus of the show is there. And the religion they imported from other sources, in this case, me and Boz. But not having that to play, I do still have some feedback that I've received recorded around the same time. I think actually recorded before the religion episode, because I think that if the religion episode of Do Ask, Do Tell had been already in the can, then Boz would have said something about it. But here is one of those Friday nights where Super Happy Fun Time was you know, unavailable, Uh, conflicts, schedules, other things got in the way. And Boz from Here Goes Nothing and Rick from the Admiral from Starbase 66 got together with a guest caller on the call-in segment, uh, a woman named Ari from Canada, and they had a quick conversation on something called Here Goes the Starbase. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but I taught at a Baptist college for three years,
5: and uh, (laughs) I could go on, but I won't. (laughs)
6: Yeah, we need to have that conversation off air sometime. It'd be very interesting. <laughs> oh no, interesting. no, no, no!
7: Register, register your thoughts on religion for uh, all year and comment uh, no, on, no. on the open it to the entire internet.
5: Well, actually, <laughs> not the next Starbase, but the one after it that we had Greg on. Uh, we we do get into it. I'm not sure how much of it I'm going to leave in because it went it went kind of long. But uh, uh, the I don't I don't mind telling you, it's not like it's a surprise or anything. Um, we decided because it's so freaking hot. We decided to talk about depictions of the devil in hell in movies and books and, and TV shows and stuff.
7: Was that meant to be a joke, like hot?
5: Well, that was the thing. I was—it's hotter than Satan's ballsack right now. So let's do a show about <laughs> the devil.
7: Oh, I thought you meant like a hot topic.
5: <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> I thought, geez, I'm melting down here, kind of hot. Well, well. Mm. <laughs> but we 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 went off on a lot of tangents
6: on that one. Uh, oh, looking forward to that then. <laughs> Look, as somebody who's grown up and spent most of his time surrounded by very devout Christians, um, and having seen the dark, as this case may be, <laughs> more recently. Welcome um, to the dark side. Exactly, <laughs> it's lovely over here. Um, but I, I find a lot of them a little bit intolerable now, and um, from my dealings through syndication
7: with a particular musical.
6: Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, that would have been anyway. Trust me. Um, But with all my dealings and listening to's and reading of posts on the forums from Gab, um, he is one of the most well... He has got his faith so clear in his life. Oh, yeah, yeah. And knows who he is, what he's doing, where he's going. And he doesn't have this kind of conflict that I always wrestled with in my life. Like, oh, I shouldn't be listening to this. Or, you know, he's, he's always been quite an inspiration to me in how he... He keeps. He's got his mindset. That's that's what he believes. That's where he's going, and he's brilliant with everybody else. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, doesn't yeah. force it on anybody. Um, I, it just really impresses me as an individual. So there you go. <laughs>
7: he's a he's a much better ambassador and representation of Christian faith than many of the people out there putting themselves in the public yeah. eye.
5: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> now, if you don't mind me asking, uh, and if you don't want to talk about this, that's groovy. Um, I, I, It seems to me incongruous that you are so into being Jewish.
7: Oh, well, yeah, There's, there, I got to make it clear. There's, There's a difference between the Jewish religion and the Jewish culture. They often go hand in hand, but a lot of us are very secular, but also into, you know, like the, the, the music and the culture, meaning like the food and getting together with your family, like mm-hmm. observing, observing holidays for me and my family is more about getting together and having a bit of continuity than actually believing in, a, a deity.
0: I feel like I've gotten online reviews and, um, recommendations, testimonials before this one, one of my all-time favorites, because it was completely unexpected. I mean, I, I'm not even sure I was in the chat room at that point in time for them to see that I was, you know, part of the part of the show in any way whatsoever. So it truly was an uh, kind of an independent kind of conversation. But I also was named the podcast of the week on a red dwarf podcast called Scuddercast, and the part I want to play from that sort of online review. Of the Inappropriate Conversations podcast is the piece where Anthony speaks specifically about the different drummer segment.
8: Also, he's got a section um, within the podcast called Different Drummer, and okay. this is basically it's Greg's chance to put somebody uh, on a pedestal, somebody that he admires. Okay, and it's normally it's, it's somebody that doesn't go through life as a sheep. It's somebody that uh, thinks his own way, uh, doesn't just believe what he's told somebody that makes his own path in life life and basically somebody that marches to his own beat which is where the title comes from a different drummer and we've had everything from writers and musicians uh, we've even had other podcasters and so yeah it's one that's really really worth listening Uh, i would say if anybody listens to Uh, Dan Carlin, uh, who does the Hardcore Histories, if you listen to his other podcast, um, Common Sense, it's not the same as Common Sense, uh, but it's a similar sort of vein at times. It's that sort of sensibility that you get from this podcast. So, yeah. um,
0: Anthony is a special friend of mine for another reason as well. There are really three main families of podcasts that I have Pushed and supported since I started inappropriate conversations, the very first show with its very bad sound quality, mentions simply syndicated as a network. Um, Dan Carlin, who I learned about and first encountered, I believe, through Tony Pucci. I'll mention him a little bit more in a, in a minute. And the Take Him With You podcast with Rick Moyer and Amy Moyer. That one introduced to me directly by Anthony, who actually sent me an email and said, "Hey, you should listen to this show." here's the first episode you should hear it sounds like you'll like it let me know what you think so that kind of personal recommendation of a podcast that i now consider to be part of the weekly stable of shows that i listen to and another show like inappropriate conversations that's available on stitcher radio
2: the polly and a podcast so it's like someone saying
7: i love you it. to you once a week
5: tony pucci specifically Tony Pucci
0: specifically. Hi, this is Tony Pucci of the Pollyanna Cowgirl Records Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join me each week as I play one hour of pod safe pop and rock music. You can find the show at PollyannaCowgirl.com or at the host podcast network site,
1: SimplySyndicated.com. Peace and love.
0: It's in this context of these early recommendations that I would mention that anyone who did want to go back and listen to inappropriate conversations from episode one on. To sample along the way from the beginning. You know, I've been warts and all as far as this goes, being somebody who had no idea what he was doing to have whatever knowledge I've got now, which is, again, not extreme. In a minute, I'm going to kind of talk about this in the different drummer segment, but there's still so much that I have to learn if I wanted to do more than what I'm doing today. But you can just tell from the sound quality alone where the journey has come, what the adventure is from that first show to. I want to say somewhere maybe in the 30s or the 40s before I actually got anywhere near a certain sort of consistency, and it's truly learning on the fly. But before I you know go into any of that angle, let me speak a little bit about the concept of meetups, because so far in the clips that I've shared, the meetup with Karen from Starbase 66 has been described by Karen, which is great. The meetup with Rick from Starbase 66 has been documented on an Admiral's Table recording, a good solid half-hour conversation documenting that meetup where literally, as described in the clip I played earlier, we did go to a local fast food restaurant called Moe's and kind of get got the whole family relocated temporarily for the day from the Orlando section of Florida to the St. Petersburg section of Florida and really kind of you know had a great time with that. So I was very comfortable with the idea of taking a trip up to Canada. And as described in this particular clip from the Nerd Hurdles podcast, I was among those who were genuinely jealous of the ability of the people in England to gather together in meetups, being a relatively smaller country geographically, and how much fun they were clearly having when they would gather, you know, a couple of times a year.
2: Oh, no, I'm not excited to meet him because he's American. American. I'm excited to meet him because Karen thinks he's fly.
5: Well, I thought he was fly already. Well,
2: like, yeah, but Karen met him in real life. Yeah. And still thinks that.
5: She thinks we're fly, though.
2: But I think she's fly. Yeah. So if I think she's fly and she thinks we're fly and she thinks Gab's fly, it's going to be a good time. Probably. Not a long time.
5: Thank God so he's coming. have a good
2: time. <laughs> the sun can shine every day. What's the other famous trooper song?
5: Boys in the Right White Sports Car.
2: Was there another one?
5: No. I don't think so. <laughs> Those are the two big singles off that album. Mm. Do you think Americans even know those songs? I, I feel like Trooper could only be a Canadian phenomenon.
1: I don't know. Said for a good time.
0: And as mentioned in this voicemail that I sent to them later, karaoke was a part of that meetup, a part of that meetup that I'm pretty sure would have not necessarily been the first choice for Karen in the very first ever meetup. But it worked out nicely. And actually, via both text message and voice, you know, cell phone conversation, she managed to call in and in an indirect way, be a a nice part of that particular gathering. Here's the post meetup voicemail I sent, or at least part of it. I still have the episode for the Toronto meetup on my player, and I wonder whether that's there because of what we might describe as all the obvious reasons, just you know, kind of being able to to go back to that experience and to hear some of that that stuff again, especially, I think, the karaoke, or is it just self-indulgent crap? <laughs> it's your call. Um, had a great time seeing you guys. My daughter is trying to talk me into being part of going to New York City. I'm not sure, 100% sure at this point recording that i'm going to new york city but i get the impression that if i go she's coming with me that clearly is a compliment to both of you and toronto kevin and and josh uh, king king follower and everyone else that um she's interested in going again clearly the meetup experience didn't scare her away i would describe my participation online in shows as falling into three main categories um there's being a caller to a show being uh, somebody who sends an mp3 clip in like i've done on more than one occasion to here goes nothing or being a guest host and i haven't really gotten to those guest host situations yet but it's happened a good handful of times if you consider the call-in aspects for super happy fun time and perhaps also for here goes nothing and the sending an mp3 clip in i've been a guest on starbase 66 atomic trivia war 9000 do ask do tell the Greatest Events in Sporting History, and Geek Fights. We'll get to that in just a moment. For now, though, here's a clip from an appearance on Starbase 66.
5: There is a reason why Greg is with us this evening, more than just because we like Greg and we want him on the show. Uh, actually, Greg, this was your idea, so and, and you made it happen, so why don't you go ahead and explain it?
0: Yeah, let me start with a shout-out to Masters of None, oddly. Okay. Okay. Um, we were at the New York City Comic Con last year, enjoying their hospitality. And again, I'm not a comic book guy. So I'm kind of, kind of bored a little bit, walking around, looking at displays. And there was a Warner Archives display there with all these movies from my childhood. And among the movies that they had in their catalog were these three Gene Roddenberry pilots for TV shows that never really happened. After the original Star Trek was canceled, so I'm looking at it, and I'm asking the guy if he's going to give me a free copy of Genesis Two, but no, he gives me City Beneath the Sea, which is pretty cool. I love that. And I, oh yeah, I liked it enough that I went online and I bought these pilots, and I thought I can't suffer through these alone. (laughs) I need friends. (laughs) So I got an extra (laughs) set. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I yeah, figured, so- I, you guys were talking about this before early on
5: well we've mentioned uh genesis 2 several times on the show
0: yeah and i i remember seeing it as a kid on tv totally confused that there was no new episodes and i heard the uh early starbase discussion and i thought if i ever get my hands on these i'm gonna watch them and uh well, there's the rest is history.
5: <laughs> well, you, you sent me an email asking me what I thought of, of, of this idea. And if, if you sent me the, the DVDs, would I watch them? And then could we talk about it on the show? And I, of course, was like, yeah, sure. And then forgot all about it. And then one day I came home from work and there was a package. And my wife's like, you got a package from Ohio. And I'm like, who the hell do I know in Ohio? <laughs> and then I, I saw your name on it. I was like, why is Greg sending? I I mean, it was completely out of my head. I I had so totally forgotten about it. And and then I opened up the package and I pulled them out and I started laughing. And my wife's like, what? And I'm like, this is going to be a show. (laughs) And it was Genesis to, uh, Oh hell. What's what's planet earth, planet earth and strange new world, which were Gene Roddenberry's attempts to start a new series after star Trek.
0: That was Starbase 66, number 91, called Roddenberry Pilots. I would also be on number 97, The Devil in Fiction, and another Admirals Table. This one, Doctor Who 2. The second of two Doctor Who-specific Admirals Table Roundtable conversations along the way.
9: Masters of None. HJ hey, it's Jay from Masters of None inviting you to check us out. We're the comedy podcast that doesn't suck, except for art. And Mike. And art. Totally. Dicks. Check us
0: out at In this little section of clips that I've shared, I've mentioned meetups in Toronto and later in New York City. The New York City meetup was related to the New York City Comic Con. It was hosted by Masters of None. And at the end of the season that they were recording at the time, I sent a quick comment to them. I play it now because I'm not 100% sure it broadcast. I know that I sent it in past the deadline. This is not atypical for me. And I don't believe that there was a, a place for them to air it, but I wanted to give a quick shout out of congratulations because the, you know, the guys in the show are younger than me and some of them having kids for the first time. The other thing I wanted to do was send out an MP3 file with a formal congratulations to Art and family on the birth of Jordan. Well, wow, that's uh, two kids for, uh, for both Jay and Art's families. And uh, I thought, you know, since you were asking for parenting advice, I'll, I'll give you some now that you've got the second kid in the mix, it's really important that you kind of keep an eye on that on that first kid. You know, imagine yourself as the pitcher, and, and a ground ball is just slowly rolled back to the mound, and you've got the ball. No matter what it is you're doing with the new baby, you got to look that first baby back from third base, or or interesting things will happen to you. For us, our son was born about a month before Easter Sunday. And uh, on Easter Sunday, we were kind of, I would say we were watching the NBA game, but we all found it to be pretty boring. The newborn son was sleeping on on top of my wife on the couch, and I'd fallen asleep on the floor in the TV room. And my daughter was taking her regular her Sunday afternoon nap upstairs, and we had the monitor on. So we've done everything, you know, on paper, we've done everything right from a parenting perspective. We're listening to what's going on. But on this particular Sunday, on Easter Sunday, she woke up from her nap and didn't come downstairs to, to ask for anything or to, or to see what we were doing or to wake us up, and she didn't make a lot of noise. And it occurred to me when I woke up and the ball game was pretty much over that there were little sounds coming from the bedroom through the monitor. Not the kind of sounds of trouble, didn't even really necessarily sound like she was awake, but we were hearing her. And when I went upstairs, what I found was that my daughter, while my uh, newborn son was sleeping, while I was sleeping, while my wife was sleeping, had taken off all of her clothes and covered herself head to foot, hair included, with desitin. Now, if you don't know, I mean, I'm sure you guys know what desitin is because you've got little babies, but kind of a diaper rash preventing petroleum jelly based kind of white powdery thing that doesn't come off with water. It's not water soluble. You can't just put put the kid in the bathtub and fix this. And she had covered herself, head to fit, bottom of her feet. She had finger-painted her uh, toy box in the back of her door with the decadent that was all over her fingers. The brown carpet had um, white footprints all over it, the whole nine yards. So congratulations on the new baby. It, it's great news. It's good to hear. Um, but keep an eye on that first kid because that first kid, if, if you're not careful, is going to round third, head for home, and leave you, if, if nothing else, hopefully nothing worse than a funny story to tell. I mentioned Tony Pucci earlier, and sort of in co- the context of somebody who's introduced me to other shows. Anthony from the Scuddercast introducing me to Take Him With You, and Tony introducing me to Dan Carlin's show. And one of the things I don't have, I've got a list of clips that I'm not going to be able to play. One of them is from Fatal Interview. And, you know, Tony has been somebody who's had multiple projects that he's had along the way. If you listen to older shows, you'll hear promos for shows that I don't promote anymore because they're gone. Fatal Interview being one of them for Tony Pucci, the Pucci Playground Productions being another. And amidst all those, the Pollyanna Cowgirl Records podcast has been a consistent weekly sort of milestone along the way. So Tony Pucci, somebody I've met before he was part of Simply Syndicated, and of course that you know, only um, strengthened since then. Tony Pucci is one of the people that I'm mentioning here that has never been in one of the meetups that I've gone to, and that's one of the things that you know is on my mind. there's still there's still more people that I've met. There's still more people that I want to meet. My son looked
2: me in the eyes the other day and asked, "Pa, when's this war going to be over?" I answered him. That one day his children and his children's children will look back and know that four warriors stood and fought and answered geeky trivia so that children everywhere could be free. The names of those heroes fresh on their minds, their tongues and their tattoos. Omar from Costa Rica, Roe from Washington, and of course their fearless leader, Commander Jason. I'm Kevin from Canada, and this is Atomic Trivia War 9000.
4: ATW9K.
0: in recent episodes of Inappropriate Conversations, I've made a mention of three more things that I've discovered in this year or in in recent months that fall in addition to the Dan Carlin program's Hardcore History and Common Sense, and in addition to anything on Simply Syndicated or Take Him With You. And those three that I was not aware of probably 12 months ago are the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast, which is a dating and sexuality advice show with a great deal of humor on the Nerdist network and greetings from nowhere. I'll get to them in just a moment and geek fights. Geek fights was the first one that I encountered Carlos from simply syndicated had mentioned geek fights before, but usually his posts online about other interesting shows was referring to geek fights from the comic book perspective. And there is a lot of comic book knowledge flowing through the geek fights show That's just one of the nerddoms where I find myself to be incredibly weak. I'm pretty good with music and movies and other aspects of pop culture. Not terrible with TV either, but not so much comic books. But at one point along the way, one of my listeners that I encountered through inappropriate conversations, so not directly through Simply Syndicated or not through any other means, named Janet, at some point communicated, and I think I wasn't on Twitter yet. Maybe it was a Facebook post or maybe it was something else, communicated that she had been part of a geek fights show and that i should listen to it i listened to it i enjoyed the format i you know reached out just indirectly really through a itunes review saying hey this this is really a fun program you got to have two or three hours but it's very fun program i like lists i like bracket style competition i like you know again music and movies and pop culture and that's what geek fights is all about well, I got a contact back from Janet and from one of the hosts of the show saying, hey, love the iTunes review. Glad you like the show. We're sort of – they're sort of an open code program if you know what I mean. If, if you like it, you can be on it. Um, it's not that there's a set of hosts in a set format and the program has to protect itself from outside influence. Geek Fights actually thrives on outside influence. And what I want to play here is a clip from Geek Fights where they invited, I want to say, it seemed like dozens of people to participate in sort of a tribute show for the best of geek fights their 100th episode actually being one big bracket style competition on everything that's ever won any of their shows throughout their history and i get to be part of a clip of that an eight competitor bracket the best part about the sixth sense for me is the whole storyline with the boy and his mom and as much as i enjoyed the twist it really aggravates me that when the movie's over and you know the whole story, that's the part that isn't real. Um, everything about Ace Ventura, immature though it may be, is still there waiting for you. And when you see the movie the second time and the third time, it's still it's still all real. So I'll throw a little bit of love to Ace Ventura and Courtney Cox is hot. Uh, uh, vote Cox. for Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura loses. The Sixth Sense is moving on, and Ace Ventura won most annoying character. Perhaps the best thing about geek fights is the concept of geek logic. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. It only has to make sense to you. And you know, to me, that describes movie reviews better than anything else. I tend to be that person, whether it's annoying or not, I don't know, who can go to a movie and come away with a positive point of view, an exception, perhaps, to even the worst film out there. And perhaps an objection or two to even some of the best films out there. I think my point of view on The Sixth Sense, spoilery though it may be, is an example of that. Well, here's a comment that I shared with the Take Him With You podcast on a movie that I did genuinely love. Responding in particular to Rick, the host of the show, being concerned that there was something perhaps a little bit uncomfortable about him having an emotional response to the end of the film.
9: And on the last day uh, that they were with us, uh, we did go see Toy Story 3, and we already reviewed that last week. But the re- really cool part was uh, we have a listener that uh, of our podcast that did a little review of Toy Story for us. And uh, I thought I would play that right now for you. How about that? This is a long-time listener, first-time commenter, but has emailed me several times. His name is Greg, and I believe... Greg, where are you from? I'm trying to remember... Uh, you might even say in your comment, but uh, you're from way away. <laughs> but anyway, Greg is great. And uh, I really, really enjoy uh, him and his wife listen to the podcast. I enjoy his emails to me, and he uh, actually uh, I told him when he wrote to me about Toy Story 3 that he should put that in audio form, and so he did. So here's that comment from Greg. "Take it away, Greg.
0: Hey, Rick and Amy. This is Greg from Ohio. Really love the show. Long-time listener, and uh, if you can consider this calling in, first-time caller. I wanted to share with you some thoughts about Toy Story 3. I heard your uh, comments about it last week, and I love this movie. I love it in part because I'm all about the subtext. Whenever I get a chance to see a show and the movie appears to be functioning on more than one level, that really connects with me. And, and for me, the extra level in Toy Story 3, which I won't spoil anything, but... The extra level is that difference between um, faith and love on one hand, and power and control on the other. The way I was seeing it develop before me was that Woody was trying to remain faithful to Andy uh, as his toy, and whether that means going to college with him, or being stored in the attic, or or whatever, he was trying to stick with Andy, trying to do it Andy's way. And some of the other toys, due to circumstances beyond anyone's control, had to go find their own way. and Sometimes when we are uh, out there and alone, we end up trying to find our own way. We end up getting lost. We end up getting betrayed, maybe even enslaved instead. I think we've all, anybody who's had to overcome some sort of a, of a dark temptation or a dependency knows kind of how that feels. And the toys that they encountered that had set up their own set of rules figured out that those rules weren't working as well as they needed them to be. Um, the ending of the movie caught me completely off guard as well. I didn't see it coming. I knew there was lots of really good ways that they could have gone, and uh, they went in a direction I wasn't expecting. And like you, somewhere in those previous two movies, it never really occurred to me that I as an adult had developed a relationship with these toys, with these inanimate objects. It really caught me off guard how connected I was to them as the plot line kind of wound down. I will say this, however. Never hesitate to cry in front of a room full of kids frankly, one of the things this world is missing in my opinion is too few men share too few emotions with too few children. If more kids saw a greater range of emotions from more of us dads, it might really make a difference out there. Food for thought anyway. Keep up the good work on taking with you. Thanks.
9: Thank you, Greg. That was a very cool and um, insightful observation of Toy Story 3. Appreciate your comments. Anytime, my friend, if you ever have anything you want to say, uh send it our way. We'll uh listen to it. If it's you know, if it's relevant to the topic, we'll put it right on the program.
0: So a lot of these things are prehistory before I had an inappropriate conversations idea, let alone a podcast. Some of them have run parallel. Certainly participating in shows as a guest, formal guest on Starbase sixty six, for example, or on Do Ask Do Tell, really only possible when I got far enough advanced or far enough out of the dark ages to actually have a microphone and have Skype and have, you know, just be generally more plugged in than I was before. I can remember being the person who said, well, I can see listening to these shows, but I can't see being part of a forum. And then the Simply Syndicated Forum was such a wonderful, engaging environment that it just made sense to keep going. I said, well, you know, yeah. You can waste a lot of time on a forum, but it's nowhere near the time that you can waste in a chat room. I, I don't see myself ever being part of a chat room. And to some degree, I still am not the kind of person who just randomly jumps on a chat room. But the Super Happy Fun Time program that I played at the very beginning of this you know, kind of walk through memory lane was a show that would broadcast live with callers and with a chat room. And so there's lots of interaction going on there. And It was only natural to participate in the chat room when you're listening to the show. And so, you know, that was another boundary that went down, another barrier that went down. But a lot of the things that I've described so far here are things that would fall kind of under the heading of Simply Syndicated. Either shows that I encountered because somebody on Simply Syndicated recommended them to me, or shows that actually are on Simply Syndicated itself. Perhaps the biggest, most distant exception, because I can make a connection between being a fan and even a guest on Starbase 66 and then hearing from Janet online and having Janet recommend Geek Fights, that connection's really clear. It's a little bit less clear about Greetings from Nowhere. And that's the last one I want to talk about today. This one I don't think would have happened if I hadn't finally broken down and decided to participate on Twitter. Now, it's funny, and Janet has called me on this in a very funny way, that I can remember the episode where I said, you know, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on Twitter, so forth and so on, And then it seemed like only a couple of months later at the most that I was suddenly on Facebook trying to generate publicity for Craig Bevan around the time that he was ready to release his new CD. At the time, his new CD, I think we've made it. So now I'm on Facebook. And I I told myself, well, I can be on Facebook and not be an active participant. And to some degree, that was honest because months went by before I ever thought, well, I can set up a, a page for inappropriate conversations and publicize what's happening or what's about to happen there. So that the Podbean site is literally things I'm done with. It's either a blog post that's ready or it's an episode that's being released. And Facebook would give me a place to play around with stuff or to put clips of things that would be, here's what I'm taking in. So on the next show, you can look at these clips or read these other articles and you can take in what I'm taking in. You can sort of read the same background materials that I'm reading. But it took months for me to do that. Well, once again, with Twitter, it seems like there was only probably a three or four week gap between on one of the shows, me making the, the statement that, hey, I'm not on Twitter, so I don't really get this, that or the other thing. And then signing up for Twitter and the the goal for signing up for Twitter, very similar to the goal for Facebook. Masters of none were you know, very much in the running for some sort of recognition, some sort of podcasting award and needed tweets to get there. Uh, a Facebook page like wouldn't get the job done. So I broke down, signed up for Twitter, uh, cast my lot in with masters of none. I think they still finished second, by the way. But nevertheless, put cast my lot in. And I still don't believe that I'm the best person for communicating ideas in 140 characters or less. That is just not who I am. The blog post that I've got up on the website at inappropriateconversations.org clearly reveal this they're far more detailed and believe it or not these are examples of me restraining myself and holding back the moments where i might need to make a formal reference and do any footnoting uh that's where i sort of rein it in and say it's a blog post it's got to be tighter than that i like some of the different drummers that i've cited along the way am very comfortable communicating at length so how does that work with 140 characters Well, I'm not 100% sure how it works, but as Masters of None predicted, I've gone from somebody who vowed that he would barely participate to somebody who's, well, tweeted quite a lot. And if you are not following me at IC underscore Greg on Twitter and you'd like to, I think what you'll find is that the variety that you've come to expect from this show is represented there. I'm capable of speaking across decades, across genres and geekdoms, and even into sports, which... Is probably obvious from the most recent show of inappropriate conversations well one of the things that being on twitter has done was it enabled a listener that i barely interacted with on simply syndicated uh, you can be a ship passing in the night with a lot of other forum participants if you don't necessarily frequent the same threads all that often but what he had done was recommended my show And I recognized the name of the podcast because I followed him on Twitter and I would see that he would have posts, even posts that were saying nothing more than here's what I'm listening to. And from time to time, Greetings from Nowhere was some things he was listening to. Well, it probably shouldn't be a surprise that the first episode of Greetings from Nowhere that I ever heard was called Moon Vacation, because Moon Vacation was the episode where the conversation among the hosts was over this recommendation and... And in particular, Nicole's thoughts on the episode that um, she listened to based on Liam's recommendation. So, again, if I'm not on Twitter, I don't interact enough with Liam for me to notice this show called Greetings from Nowhere. And Liam perhaps either makes this recommendation without my knowledge or maybe doesn't make the recommendation at all. Because, again, there is an added element of of interaction, of personality, of connectivity that comes from being on Twitter and not just saying, here's another page you can go to because going to a Facebook page is not that different from going to the Podbean site, the the website inappropriateconversations.org. But on Twitter, it's a little bit different. I, I can put a show out there and even get a question back about what's it really about or, or see the retweet for example. And it, long story short, it's from all that that I began listening to greetings from nowhere. I liked what I heard, not even really not about the shows where they were listening to what I was, I was saying and responding to that. But what really got me was an episode called A Little Bit Churchy, A Little Bit Atheist. And it was that that led me to say, yeah, I've got to recommend these guys. This is almost like eavesdropping in to the conversations that I was having when I was in college, going all the way back. In some of the closest friendships I've ever had, and wouldn't it be powerful to have a recording of some of those things? Well, let me play you a clip from Greetings from Nowhere, where I had made an iTunes recommendation. And Christina from the show is responding.
10: We recently got a new iTunes review. I believe it was from someone. Their screen name was GAB, I think, yes. um, which makes 48 reviews. It is a wonderful, fabulous five-star review and by far the coolest thing written in the review about how they love our show. They feel that it's a show they would have done with their college friends when you know back so, when they were in college. And what I really really was, was kind of shocked by was in their review they said that they found our show because someone uh, literally on the other side of the planet, a friend yeah. that they knew who lived on the other side of the planet referred them to it. So, look... I know people are listening. I know people are listening from every corner everywhere. But when I hear that there are people sharing the link to us all over the planet, like it freaks me That's out a little amazing. bit, but makes me so really proud. So I, I'm not even I'm not even using good grammar right now. That's how like <laughs> That's how proud she is. I'm just, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. And thank you, GAB, whoever you are, for the fantastic review. We, we really, really appreciate it.
0: Well, again, like everything else on Inappropriate Conversations, this story is 100% true. This is uh, me interacting on Twitter with somebody from Sydney, Australia, recommending a show recorded in Washington State in California that I don't believe I ever would have encountered in any other way. And that encounter has been just very fruitful and positive and reaffirming. It's Again, I I started doing this because I felt like I was different. And early on in inappropriate conversations, I talk about this concept of being a creature from another planet and that notion of just not necessarily fitting in and being in an environment like uh, the people at Simply Syndicated where being different is a good thing, not a bad thing, and not fitting in is maybe the best possible way to fit in. If you've listened to the uh, Poetry Providing Perspective, Inappropriate Conversations 93, I mentioned in that show that I could share poems about politics and poems about sexuality, but I wanted to hold off on dealing with spirituality. And instead of trying to share any poem that I had written, I did have one kind of in hand that I felt could, could have fit that bill, but it just didn't seem right. I wanted to just hold off, and not do that, maybe save it for another time. And what I said I would do is what I did. I contacted uh, Nicole from Greetings from Nowhere and requested a poem store poem. Now, this accomplished a couple of goals. It helped me sort of start off the process of providing them with some financial support. So it was my way of putting something in the tip jar, so to speak. But it also was a way of saying, hey, I'd like to have another poet's perspective on this concept of intersexual friendship, of friendship that doesn't have any other excuse behind it. When I talk about the early days of the author, a character that I introduced on the second inappropriate conversation, you know, the author has folders like freedom of expression. Why not? And the concept being, you know, well, there's a great post that I've seen online uh, milling about with a picture of a chicken. And the, the context of it says something like, I long for a day when chickens can cross the road without having their motivations questioned. And that's exactly it. I pity people. Whose friendships are only formed around the hope of exciting a sexual attraction, or because they're family, or because they went to the same school, or because they work in the same department, or because they go to the same church. There's nothing wrong with having you know really good, strong friendships built upon that foundation, but there's also something really right about a friendship that feels, in many ways, much more God-given than that. And so, that's why I asked for a poem store poem. The poet from Greetings from Nowhere is Nicole Villacrez, and I will let her read her poem that was written at my request.
11: Hi, everybody. This is Nicole from Greetings from Nowhere, and this is a Poem Store poem request. Uh, His subject, which is how Poem Store poems work, is your subject, your price. His subject is the spiritual quality or connection within friendship. Okay, Greg, here's your poem. The Joining. Hearts connect, they say, and love blooms, but deeper yet is that connection sans romance, beyond romance, where a single soul recognizes another and an understanding, a tenuous joining makes itself without permission. Love as deep as a soul starts popping up like daisies, unbidden yet unstoppable, because yes, I get you, and you get me. Joined by God, by design, or chaos, friendship wild as the sea beckons us to dive in. Okay, Greg, thanks again for the donation. I hope you enjoyed the poem, and I will be glad to send that to you if you just send me your mailing address. Um, And thank you so much, because that was my very first official poem store poem. All right, thanks.
0: If I do this right, there will not only be an image of the poem itself and the very lovely card that it came in, on the website at inappropriateconversations.org, it may also be at least for this one week the image of the show on iTunes. I've not yet traded the image that a good friend of mine created it by request for the show, I'm trying to remain consistent and stick with it. But in this case, it seemed like this was a good moment to, you know, temporarily substitute something in and represent this poem called "The Joining" in episode ninety-three. I told you I was going to ask for it. Here we are in episode number one hundred. And I'm delivering.
9: Small town quirks and coolness, yeah. We're sending you a warm greetings from nowhere. Two
7: best friends with a lot to say about small town life in the USA. Christina and Nicole got gossip to share, and they're sending
2: every one of you
1: greetings from nowhere. Greetings from
0: I mentioned earlier that there was some things I wanted to say uh, about Tony Pucci that I wasn't going to have room for in today's show. Tony Pucci has been a different drummer before. When I had the opportunity to talk about my relationship with my sister who died, uh, it was just natural to connect that with Tony and the things that he has done in his life related to his sister's illness and death. But one of the other things that Tony and I have done along the way is, is share ideas poetry i'm not a musician if i was a musician i'm sure we would have collaborated in that avenue as well but for a while on you know poochie podcast productions his poetry segment i i did some readings for those and uh, when that was interrupted due to some server and provider issues one or two of them i think got played but not the rest so tony and i have shared poetry ideas all along and i thought you know what a nice way to end this show with a shout out to tony and some of the things that he's done that you can find online at uh, www.tonypucci.com. And, you know, to kind of make it clear that, hey, he's not the only person out there who's sharing poetry online, this poem store idea is a relatively new one from Greetings from Nowhere. And anyone who likes what you've heard here, I would encourage you to go uh, to that site. It's uh, www.enesvy.com, NSV, the uh, initials for Nicole Villacrez. I do not want to exaggerate and say that none of this would be possible if it weren't for Richard Smith. I think that's probably a mistake. But I think from the story that I've tried to tell, allowing clips to do the driving, it's pretty clear the influence that Simply Syndicated has had. I went from not having any idea what a podcast was, or viewing a podcast as nothing more than a promotional vehicle for a large multinational corporation like the Manchester City Football Club, to seeing it as something truly do-it-yourself, truly entrepreneurial, and that has everything to do with Richard Smith. The people that I've met, both in person and online, who've offered ideas of encouragement may have in some cases, like masters of none, gone down this road on their own and then become part later of Simply Syndicated, or they may have, like Rick, Karen, and Kennedy described uh, on that episode of Weather Station 3, Truly been inspired to go down this road because of Simply Syndicated, I would put myself in that latter camp as well. Richard Smith, well, he's described this way on Simply Syndicated. Richard caught on to the emerging new media of podcasting and started listening to a few shows. Seeing it as the opportunity that he and his creative friends had been looking for, a way to get their talents showcased outside of traditional media, he immediately started to think of shows that he could produce. Simply Syndicated was born and started recording shows in March of 2005. 2005! The first listenable show, Movies You Should See, was released August 2005. It gives you a sense of how much later it was that I encountered all of this stuff. Since then, Richard has gone on to build the network thats that it is today at www.simplysyndicated.com, and he's been on many shows. I don't think I'm going to go through the shows that he's not on anymore, I think instead what I'll do is just sort of make mention of the ones that you can hear them on a regular basis now. It's not that make it so, and movies you should see won't be back in regular production in one way or another. But if you wanted to go and just go to these the RSS feed for Simply Syndicated, you're most likely going to find Rich in three different places. Tech It or Leave It, which is a, a tech news and advice show. Remastered to walk down memory lane literally from somebody who would have had a perspective on childhood from the 80s and 90s where I would have had a perspective on young adulthood in the same period of time and do ask do tell where he is you know joined that group as somebody who doesn't fit in you know in a category type of a way to the gay and lesbian community any more than I would but can you know through his skills as a moderator and as an interviewer you know kind of keep things going, ask questions, you know, from that genuine outsider objective perspective on all things, um, GLBTQ. So that's the easiest way to hear what Richard is up to. I, you know, made a contact to Richard Smith because it only seemed right that if I was going to tell Alison Downing before I even started inappropriate conversations that somewhere in the first 10 or 11 shows, she was going to be a different drummer that I simply couldn't imagine Putting out a mission statement for the show and getting a dozen episodes in without staking that claim. I also did the same thing for him. Seemed right to give him a heads up. And one of the things that Rich said, because again, on the tech side, he's far more embedded and involved and connected to this than I frankly ever will be, frankly, than I ever intend to be. And his thought was, well, why don't you just give me a call? We'll record an interview for the show. You know, now that is a pretty fantastic idea. But unfortunately One that I'm just not up to right now. I'm not there yet. But you know what? There are a few people who are different drummers that from time to time I interact with on Twitter. I either follow them or I'm part of conversations about them. And, you know, I could see this growing at some point to a place where there's actual real conversations that kind of make that second part of the title of this show just a little bit more accurate. When I do... I can't imagine a better way to start than to start with Richard Smith. Today simply won't be that day, but it tells you a lot about him and how much help he's provided and the perspective that he's got, both from his experience and from his interest in seeing alternative media succeed. That he tends to be somebody who is, you know, not particularly threatened that people who are ardent followers of his shows are also dedicated followers of shows by Rick Moyer on Take Him With You or the Dan Carlin shows. or Now, for me, new things like Geek Fights and Sex Nerd Sandra. but also is still willing to take even the hobby venture that somebody like me is working on and offer the kind of advice and encouragement to take it to the next level. Again, it's an exaggeration to say that I wouldn't be doing this right now if it weren't for Simply Syndicated, and there wouldn't be a simply syndicated if it weren't for Richard Smith, but it's not much of an exaggeration.
3: Hi, everybody. Rich here. You know, one of the best things about Simply Syndicated is the great community of listeners we've got and all of the things you guys do to help us out. Something you could do that helps us spread the word about our shows is to let people know that you're listening on Facebook and Twitter. All our episodes have sharing buttons on them so you can tell your friends about us with just a few clicks of the mouse. Just visit our website at simplysyndicated.com and click the sharing buttons to help spread the word.
0: I have notes here for all the other things that I could have talked about, but didn't, or barely did. Things like um, the uh, appearance that I made on Atomic Trivia War 9000. That was, if you wanted to track it down on the feed, episode number 29. I think we're going to need a new Kevin. I also didn't speak about other shows that I would describe myself either as a regular or an irregular listener of. Anomaly Podcast, An Apotheosis of a Bombast, Shonky Lab but also some one-off appearances that I didn't mention. It's been, again, a fairly significant internet footprint for somebody who at one time, like the vow I made about Twitter, like the vow before that I made about Facebook, and perhaps like the vow I made at some point even in the distant past about iTunes or even the internet itself, I have a fairly good footprint. The last thing I'll mention just in passing is that only some of the blogging that I do appears on inappropriateconversations.org. Some of it appears on Simply Syndicated, In their section called Simply Read, I put in articles there that are you know familiar somewhat from a Simply Syndicated perspective. Uh, There was one on sports, which sounds a lot like the sportsmanship episode I recorded. One on marriage, the Bible Belt, and Jesus. But also a whole series called Second Look. It feels like it's been too long since I've written anything from a Second Look perspective. But the idea there is going back to shows which were, in my opinion, unappreciated in some cases even unknown or scorned, and taking a fresh perspective on them, either from the distance of time or from a particular angle. I've talked about episodes of Doctor Who, a short educational film that I saw in elementary school from a poem called The Hangman, and also movies, including one of my favorite all-time made-for-TV movies, A Cold Night's Death. If you find a Greg on Simply Read at www.simplysyndicated.com, Especially if he's kind of parenthetically noted as being Gab or G A B, you can bet that's me.
4: Alrighty then
9: <laughs> anomaly. Something that deviates from what is standard, normal, or expected. An oddity, peculiarity, irregularity, inconsistency, incongruity a rarity.
4: I'm Jen and I'm Angela and we're the socially functional co-hosts of Anomaly, the podcast with a unique perspective, a female perspective on all things geek, Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Buffy, Firefly, gaming, books, costuming, and general geek topics. The sometimes monthly, but always entertaining Anomaly podcast, Anomalypodcast.com.
0: This is going to be a long one, but I wanted to share not just a lot of memories and a lot of clips from other shows, but appropriate promotional advertising along the way, because the promos that are in these inappropriate conversations are only there because of my esteem and admiration for those shows. So I've broken up the topics a little bit today by using perhaps more of those promos than I normally do. But I guess that's only right for a look back. The final thank you I'd like to give. Instead of just the generic, thanks for listening, is a thank you to you, whoever you are, whether you're somebody who lives down the road or somebody who lives on an island in the Indian Ocean. You know, thanks for listening. I don't want to make what I think might be an inaccurate statement and say I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the fact that I know that people are listening. I might be on some level doing this anyway. It's a way of archiving or time capsuling things which because I didn't go on to be a columnist or a writer for a living have been laying around and the cyclical nature of news and current events, the issues will come back. And when they come back, it doesn't matter if the perspective I have originally is 10 years old or 20 years old or 30 years old. And it doesn't even matter to me if that opinion that I had back then needs to be amended or corrected, or even if it's embarrassingly off course, this gives me an opportunity to put things into that time capsule. All the same, though, it is incredibly meaningful to me in ways that I can't express well, so I won't necessarily try, that there are people who are listening, that there are people who say, yeah, you are different and weird and unique and strange, and and that's every bit the good thing that you'd want it to be if you truly did describe yourself as a creature from another planet. So in that vein, thanks for listening. A podcast called Inappropriate Conversations. The show is breaking down barriers about discussing politics, sex, and religion. Here's what I mean. Have you seen the picture of one of those Tea Party protests with someone carrying an I'm a teabagger for Jesus sign? I'm a teabagger for Jesus. Does anyone think a person this clueless is pointing us in the right direction? I'm not judging. The Bible doesn't say anything against teabagging, short of putting such behavior in a monogamous relationship. I go a step further than scriptures, though. Call your shot. That's all I'm saying. As with billiards, it's really bad form if you don't call your shot first. Yeah. You'll find Inappropriate Conversations on iTunes, in the Politics section, or at inappropriateconversations.podbean.com. Thanks for listening.
3: Music by Kevin MacLeod.